How did I get to this place? Draped across a man's lap, being punished like a disobedient child, willingly submitting myself to him, surrendering control. How does anyone get to this place where every single fiber of who you thought you were suddenly vanishes and someone new is born? This is my story. Oh, goddamn, I really did hurt my shoulder making a fake throw between episodes. What did that do? <laughs> uh, you, we, we've become old, and we haven't gotten physical enough, even after last week's episode. <laughs> I think that might be the problem. I got too physical on that one, and I'm fucking busted now. Oh, shit. Well, yeah. things are tough. But, they, sh- uh, they sure are. I'm engaged in a struggle of wills at work. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm going to be the new supervisor, and the other guy wants to be the new supervisor. And they've given us both a week to prove ourselves. And it's been a, a titanic struggle. Yeah, this sounds terrible. Yeah, mostly it's been awful, and uh, I've been at work probably like 60 hours this week yeah that sucks yeah i don't want if that's maybe i don't want to be supervisor yeah if they're gonna expect you to work 60 hour weeks my old supervisor didn't do shit and everyone everyone up front hated him apparently oh he just didn't do shit but i was like they didn't fire him he left of his own will and i was like so if i get this job i can just i'll just slide they're not gonna do anything about it yeah The thing you have to keep in mind is if they're going to expect you to work more than 40 hours or whatever, you got to like do the math when it comes to the salary Yeah, to really figure it out. And so far that's been, uh, they haven't told us what that is. Yeah. There's there's been no interview process. No, Uh, (laughs) that's just their thing is they don't make, I guess, any moves until the last moment. Like they knew my supervisor was leaving for months Right. And uh, they put up the thing to, like, hire, like, a new guy, like, the week he was leaving. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, because the president of the company was going on a skiing trip, he just appointed the first person who applied as, like, the supervisor while he was gone. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that's fucked up. (laughs) Uh, So, I don't know. It's been a real, uh, it's been a real challenging week, and I'm just ready to uh, give up and surrender completely. Well, that's understandable, yeah. and you know, when you really think about it, there's a lot of weird stuff that can happen in the workplace, and I think that today's film will give us some examples of some very strange things that can happen in the workplace. Yeah. Uh, but this week, we're going to talk about the submission of Emma Marks from 2013, Uh, The film that made me become a Marxist myself. Yeah. I've long been a Marxist. But, Um, uh... I I say, workers of the world, you gotta work about 60 hours a week if you want just a little bit more money. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, the submission of Emma Marx is a uh, 2013 film... And a uh, vehicle for the lovely and talented goddess Penny Pax, who yeah. I worship every day. Mm-hmm. She's like, uh, she's like the wife of the teacher. Yeah. In your branch, I'm in like a more like 
like an orthodox branch and we don't accept her but that's okay well yeah that that's i'm i'm part of the marxist branch i know <laughs> we uh we believe that the teacher is uh an almighty deity of great knowledge and passion but that ultimately penny pax is the supreme goddess who must be worshipped every day wow look at those tits yes indeed <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so the submission of Emma Marx is an interesting film directed by Jackie St. James. So is this one you've seen before? Yes. Okay. Uh, I've seen this uh, a couple times before. Oh. Uh, this was something that before I had really dug into the uh, depths of hardcore film of the past, I had uh, seen out of curiosity and mm-hmm. uh, great enjoyment. Yeah, so uh, yes. I had... Discovered Penny Pax because of uh, all of her content on kink.com and uh, all of the wonderful videos of her getting tied up and fucked in the ass and stuff that Mm -hmm. uh, brought me great enjoyment over the years. And uh, when I had discovered that she had done a uh, BDSM-themed feature film, Mm -hmm. I was uh, very interested to see it. And uh, see it, I did. You brought us here today. I brought us here today. I saw it. Just a few hours ago. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, it's quite something. So this is from the New Sensations Erotic Stories Collection. Uh, And like I said, it's directed by Jackie St. James. Uh, Mm -hmm. If one were to look at the timeline, you could very easily point out the fact that uh, this was clearly jumping onto the Fifty Shades of Grey bandwagon that was going on. There is no doubt. I think the setup is more or less exactly the same. Yeah, it is worth noting that uh, Jackie St. James kind of noted that uh, she found Fifty Shades of Gay. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Gay. Yeah, is that one? That's what we're going to cover on Patreon soon, right? That has to be a movie. There's oh. no way it isn't. There's no way it's not. The way there's no way there's not a body talk. Right. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that box, so maybe they're all in there. Maybe. But uh, yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey, uh, Jackie St. James had pointed out uh, some of the problematic uh, aspects of that. Yeah. And wanted to make things a little bit different here. Yeah, I would definitely say this one has more uh, respect for the BDSM lifestyle, like, as a uh, whole. Yes. And uh, part of that is a little bit of respect for the holes. Yeah. But... uh, (laughs) This, uh, this ultimately did get uh, quite a bit of uh, awards buzz when it came out. Uh, it didn't uh, win a ton, of rewar- a ton of awards, but it did uh, win the Avian Award for Best BDSM Release in the 2014 awards. Uh, and it was also nominated for a bunch of categories. Best Romance Movie, Best Actor for Richie Calhoun who uh, I believe is Rory Calhoun's son, uh-huh. yeah. um, who plays uh, Mr. Fredericks, uh, nominated for Best Music Soundtrack, Best Actress Penny Packs, Best Director for a Feature, Best Anal Sex Scene, and Best Editing. Mm. Uh, it was nominated for Adult Movie of the Year at the Sex Awards 2013. It was listed as one of the greatest adult films of all time in the film X-Rated, The Greatest Adult Movies of All Time. Okay. 
Uh, it was nominated for a bunch of X-Biz Awards, including Director of the Year, Best Scene, Best Actress, Best Editing, Best Cinematography, mm-hmm, Feature mm-hmm. Movie, Best Actor, Jeez. Feminist Porn Release of the Year, wow. Screenplay of the Year, and wow. Best Supporting Actress for Riley Reed. Uh, X-Critic Award, X-Critic Editor's Choice Awards, it did win both Best Actress for Penny Packs and Best Actor for Richie Calhoun. And at the XRCO Awards, it won Best Released, Best Actor for Richie Calhoun, and Penny Pax was nominated for Best Actress. Hmm. So what you're telling me is we've got a real loser on our hands. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so in some ways. No, uh, but uh, it, it won a, all of my awards, and that's yeah. what matters the most. Yeah, the, the bossies. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, the, the thing that I embummed out a lot is that there aren't a whole lot of uh, great BDSM features out there. That's true. Uh, whether you're talking about adult films or more mainstream films that mm-hmm. you know aren't showing hardcore sex but, but explore the topic, yes. most of the time these relationships are uh, presented in very problematic ways, like uh, probably like five Jamie Gillis movies we've seen. Or, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. But also... Sometimes you yearn for the Jamie Gillises of the world. I'm not saying they shouldn't exist, but, uh, you know, there aren't a lot of great representations of BDSM relationships, so... Be more men with hair curlers. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, you know, this... uh, There's definitely some uh, problematic elements of this, but this does better than most, I would say, in that respect. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was followed by three sequels. Oh, wow. Uh, which I thought she was done submitting by the end. Well, the uh, the events uh, take a turn. I'll say I'm not going to spoil what happens in the next movie. Well, you know that that makes sense. There's a uh, there are like there were like four fifty shades of gray books. I don't know if they all okay. got adapted to film or not. There were three movies. I okay. think I know the first one was like a big to do. Like when it came out. Didn't it start as like Twilight fan fiction or something? It certainly did, and then they just kind of all the moms read it. Yeah, yeah, it started out life as like Twilight fan fiction. They had like a bunch of like names and people like subbed in, obviously. Right. Uh, they were subbed in, all right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there, uh, and then moms read it. My mom, I do not believe, has read it. I think she taped the film, but I don't know if she ever watched it. Did she tape it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> she used her VCR and taped it. <laughs> she st- hooked up her Walkman to the TV and recorded the audio of it. I mean, she taped it, you know, like she put in like the old VHS and she set it to record. And, you know, it's the way you would tape a film off the TV. Exactly. Yes. I remember being really mad when digital c- cable came along and you couldn't like just tape stuff off the TV because of the. Like, oh, the, the macro vision yeah, protection. Yeah. 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 Pissed me off. I didn't know it had a name. Did you, well, now you do. Did you make that happen? I didn't make it happen, no. But you were like, you're part of like what supports it. Uh, I guess so, but it happened before I was a part of the industry. You know what time it is. God damn it. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're excoriating you now. <laughs> we're repudiating your work in this world uh so yeah i'd already gone on and uh (laughs) i'm just going past you (laughs) um 
I'd already, you know, mentioned, of course, that the stars penny packs, and uh, I mentioned when talking about the re- the awards, uh, Richie Calhoun, who plays Mister Fredericks, yeah, and of course, penny packs is the titular Emma Marks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also have Riley Reed, who plays Nadia, Emma's sister. We sure do. Uh, who is a superstar herself, uh, whose star power unfortunately eclipses penny packs's, but uh, you know, she's quite well known. I agree. Um, also, uh, we have, uh, what's his name? Something stupid. Ray? Let's see. Yeah, we've got Ray. Yeah, Ray played by Van Wild. Okay. Uh, who I think was Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, that was a Ryan Reynolds <laughs> character. Uh, yeah. But, uh, that's basically. Van Wild. That's his name? Van Wild, V A N W Y L D E. All right, he's Dutch. Oh yeah, yeah. He's gonna, he's gonna put his finger in a dike. <laughs> uh, but yeah, those four characters are almost everything in the movie. There's a couple of uh, cameo appearances by people in the background, but that's basically it. Yeah, very but, small uh, cast. Small cast, uh, big story. Or normal size story, big bulge in my pants. Gross. <laughs> so yeah, that is uh, the submission of Emma Marks. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, and then we'll be back for me to preach my Marxist philosophy. All right. Up until this moment, nearly everything about William had been a mystery to me. Who he was, what he was about, what made him tick... But now, mapped out in the finest print on watermarked paper were his innermost secrets so perverse, so shocking, I never could have dreamt them up. This document that he casually slid across the dining room table was not so casual at all. Words like fisting, flogging, and nipple clamps stood out. Words like dom and sub and master and slave were thrown around with little consequence. All right, it's time for your spanking. Okay. Um... Uh, <laughs> I don't have a spanking button. Oh, we need to work on that. Yeah, we have we, we were ill-prepared by going into this without there being a spanking button on the soundboard. Yeah, you haven't gotten me any new buttons lately. I, I know. It's like you don't care. Maybe I don't. Oh. <laughs> well, maybe you should. Maybe I should, you're right. Yeah, you want more of this? Damn it. <laughs> All right, so the submission of Emma Marks opens with uh, a silhouette of a spanking, and we uh, get our narration from Emma Marks herself, Penny Pax, which uh, is the storytelling device for much of this film. She says... Just like last week's film. Oh, yeah. Narration. Narration. What a concept. It's powerful. You don't see it enough in films. In fact, we saw a lot of it in our Patreon episode last week, where we talked about heat. I guess we maybe were seeing too much of it in films. Uh, Cut it out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, you know, it's like... uh, I like the narration in the David Lynch Dune. Oh, yeah. Because it's... uh, Oh, who's that little boy? Agent Cooper. Oh, uh... 
Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah, just that Kyle little M- boy Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah, the little boy Kyle McLaughlin. <laughs> little a little tasty snack. Uh, <laughs> he's just like thinking stuff, and it just sounds kind of like stupid without the context in it. He's yeah. like, it's like the sleeper awakens, and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> They had to cover up for the hour of the movie they didn't make. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this narration doesn't talk about Sleeper's Awakening or uh, Spice or anything else. Dune. Desert planet. <laughs> she says, how did I get... She says, how did I get to this place? Draped across a man's lap. Being punished like a disobedient child. Willing myself to him. Surrendering control. How does anyone get to this place where every single fiber of who you thought you were vanishes and someone new is born? This is my story. Wow. Uh, it doesn't look that intense. No. He's not hitting her too hard. No. She wasn't too bad on this occasion. Yeah. I guess that's why this one feminist porn award. <laughs> <laughs> their punches and they're like you know they're not treating women as bad as usual (laughs) (laughs) so we get our title card on screen and then we get to uh meet nadia and ray so the first 30 minutes of this movie basically is uh just them kind of pounding it out just just this vanilla sex scene with (laughs) people who aren't the focus of the movie yeah and i i get it because, like, you get uh, Emma's narration over it, uh, yeah. talking about, pretty much giving, like, the Webster's Dictionary defi- definition of normal. Yeah, so... And you get the, yeah. You get this normal sex scene. But, uh, you know, it was also the way to get Riley Reed in here, who, at the time, was uh, probably a bigger name than Penny Pax was. So, sure. you know, you gotta, you gotta get your star power in. I get it, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we'll talk more when when we review it. But so we see Nadia and Ray, and again, that's uh, that's Riley Reed and Van Wild, not Van Wilder. Oh yeah, we had we googled that on the during the break and <laughs> got that figured out. Uh, they're making out, but Emma narration, is, as you mentioned, defines the word normal. We see Ray pull out a little jewelry case and uh, get down on his knee and propose to Nadia. It's an engagement ring. In narration, Emma talks about normal in society being to live life the way people expect you to, living in a way that to make others accept you, even if you don't accept you. We cut to Emma, and she's just kind of looking at a book and uh, grabbing a highlighter and kind of highlighting her way through a book, having a very uh, normal but boring night to herself. That's what I do most nights. Highlight from books? Yeah. Okay. I've been reading this book about the Manson family. Oh, yeah. And uh, what I learned, and the only thing I've highlighted it in it really so far was that uh, Bobby Boussoulet and some other uh, members of the family apparently made a softcore porn at uh, Spawn Ranch. Oh, that's would, interesting. Yeah, I would really like to find that. It did not give the title, so I'm wondering if it's like just like a loop that's maybe lost to time. Yeah. Uh, if you're a big collector and you happen to have that, uh, please DM me. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to see that very much. Yeah. So, you know, maybe, you know, give a little bit of respect to 
men with the highlighter or the women. Okay, I uh, I take back any uh, negativity that the, came from me. It wasn't directly negative, but I could like hear like an edge in your voice of derision. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so we see Nadia accept Ray's proposal, and then they begin to make out hard and undress. There's a, a heart uh, pattern made of rose petals spread out on the bed, uh, which is soon disheveled by their increasingly unclad bodies rolling on top of it. Yeah, it's a nice heart shape. It's like in uh, The Room. Oh, yeah. I don't think it was heart-shaped in the room, but I just remember one of the sex scenes in that just involves a lot of rose petals on Tommy Wiseau's weirdly muscular ass. Yeah. (laughs) Nadia kisses Ray's chest and sprinkles some rose petals on him, rubbing them across his belly before reaching down and starting to suck his cock. She takes her time licking and sucking it, and while she's not gagging on it, she is getting pretty deep on it. Mm Mm-hmm. Ray kisses his way down Nadia's chest and licks her belly. We cut to Nadia laying down, and Ray kisses her crotch through her panties before rolling them off and beginning to go down on her. She sprinkles more rose petals on his head as he starts to lick her pussy, laying back and getting a bit more serious as he goes. We see Ray sticking a finger in her as he gets into it. This continues for a bit, and Nadia enjoys herself quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Ray stops to kiss all over her for a bit before mounting her missionary. They make out a bit, and then Ray sits up and holds Nadia's legs as he starts to really stick it in her. They move on to a spooning position as they lay on their sides, and Ray fucks Nadia from behind. He starts out slower and gets to really pounding away for a bit. I would describe this man's dick as a wiener. It's, okay. <laughs> it's very pink. It's a little girthy. It's very like straight and long. Yeah, yeah. It's got that hot dog shape to it, I think. It's got a the Coney Allen foot long, you know? He's a real uh, Oscar Mayer. He is an Oscar Mayer. That is true. That should have been his name. Yeah, that's better than Van Wilde. <laughs> Could have been Oscar Van Wilde. That's a fucking... Oh, there's already an Oscar Wilde. But oh, still, yeah. Oscar Van Meyer. I think if you're Oscar Van Wilde, you have to be a gay porn star. He could be both. I guess so, yeah. There should be a gay black porn star called Young Tug. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ray lays back and Nadia goes back to sucking his cock for a bit before she gets on top of him and mounts him reverse cowgirl. She slowly grinds at first, but bounces faster and harder as time goes on. They move on to Cowgirl, and Ray is really sticking it to her out of the gate. Uh, They move back to fucking Missionary a bit, and Ray finally pulls out and comes on Nadia's stomach. They interlock their fingers and look at her ring before kissing more. Aww. We cut to Emma on the couch reading a book and highlighting things as she's been doing. What do you think she's reading? Uh, I think it has something to do with her master's thesis she's working on. Her masturbation thesis. Well, she's not working on that yet. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, <laughs> no spoilers. Nadia walks in, showing off her ring, excitedly pointing out that it's over two carats. She says, thank God it's a Tiffany cut. I would have shot myself if it was a marquee. <laughs> She asks Emma if she should update her Facebook status because she doesn't want to be that girl who throws it in everyone's face. 
Emma says she thought the whole point was for her to brag about it to people. That is the point, I believe. Uh, Facebook was such a, was a big thing in 2013. Now no one thinks about it. Oh, yeah. And it's been a decade since so much can change. So much can change. The only people who are on Facebook are probably like our 50 and over listeners. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, I still haven't closed my account. I've been thinking about it, but like I didn't log in for the longest time and I stopped getting notifications. Yeah. And then like I accidentally clicked on the icon and I've been getting more notifications. Yeah, you got to get out of there. I, <laughs> log- I logged out a couple of months ago. Uh, I finally gave up. It's a good idea. Yeah. The part of getting older means using Facebook more if you're over 50, but using Facebook less if you're under 40. Yeah. (laughs) That's just, that's part of it. Emma points out to Nadia that Ray was threatening to break up with her just last week. Nadia tells Emma he was only threatening to break up with her because she was pressuring him to marry her. And now he is. So the problem solved. (laughs) Emma gives her a look and sarcastically says, well, that's entirely logical. Nadia then gets all bitchy about Emma giving her advice on her relationship, asking when Emma's ever been in a relationship, yelling that even their parents think Emma's gay. In narration, Emma explains that she hasn't ever had a real relationship, lamenting the process of dating in your 20s with text and Facebook messages. Real pain in the ass. Yeah. I think we were both like in long-term relationships by the time this was a problem. Um, I mean, I was on Facebook before. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, I did a little, I did a little internet dating, you know. I did, but I, we we missed out on the app life, though. That's that's where things would have gotten a lot more interesting. I think. I feel like that's a. I feel like we dodged a bullet. I mean, we. We dodged a bullet, but I think that I would have some more fun stories to tell. That's fair. I hear like the match rate for guys on those is like really bad. That's probably true. But, you know, I think I think we would do all right. Even look at a, looking at us now. I feel like if all else fails and I got like lonely enough, I could just go on grinder. I bet the the match rate for guys is a lot better there. Yeah, it's mostly <laughs> it's mostly guys. <laughs> Emma says when it came to love and romance, she felt totally detached until one February morning when she met the man that changed everything. We see Emma waiting in a chair, and a woman comes up to her to tell her that Mister Fredericks was ready to see her. Hmm, I'm thinking now. Fredericks, Fredericks, Friedrich Engels, and Marx, Marx and Engels. Oh. Yeah. Didn't think about that. Emma, Emma Goldman, not a communist, but an anarchist. There's a lot. Do you think this is the woke mob I think turning this, me against capitalism? I think, you know, it won that best feminist award. <laughs> it's hard to say. Um <laughs> I didn't find this film exceptionally woke, but I could see 2013. It's the point of change, I think. You know, we're in the second Obama term. Yeah. We got, uh, like, Obamacare. Everything's getting way more woke. This is pre-Me Too, though. 
Yeah, this is pre-Me Too. Which is why Mr. Fredericks was able to get away with his workplace uh, shenanigans. Yeah. Which we'll get into here shortly. In narration, Emma explains, she met him while working on her master's thesis on gender equality in the workplace. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I do feel like, though, like, there was kind of like a big, like, feminist cultural moment, like, early in the 2010s. Yeah. Uh more so than there is now, I feel like there was like a backlash that kind of just drove it back underground, more or less. Yeah. I don't feel like you see quite as much of it as you used to, but uh, this film really gets the zeitgeist. Yeah. It's the spirit of the times for our non-German speakers. <laughs> Emma says she'd interviewed a wide variety of people, and Mr. Fredericks was interesting because... of his 2,000 employees were women. Now, I will note that we see two employees in this film. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe three. Anyhow. How many is he fucking? I think that's the question. I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. We see Emma introduce herself to Mr. Fredericks, extending her hand for a handshake that he never takes her up on. No, you can't shake a woman's hand. That's um, it's bro well, code. I will say, and we'll get to it, he eventually does. You can shake a woman's breast. Well, yeah. Like, especially pre-Me Too. <laughs> <laughs> you can just reach out and honk them. Reach out and honk someone. <laughs> that was the uh, AT&T slogan for the longest time. Yeah. She explains that the interview went 30 minutes, including things like him telling her that no one is better at hiring than he is. I can tell more about someone in five seconds than their parents can. He says women are hormonally best suited to work at his company. I busted out laughing at that (laughs) line. That was really good. (laughs) He says that he can read women better than men and that they're malleable. Do you think it's funny that like the big power player shirts are all like wrinkled? Like, I feel like no one bothered to iron them, really. <laughs> I didn't think about that. I was I was just looking at it. I was like, this man doesn't look like a millionaire. He looks like he's going to ask me for a little bit of change. <laughs> <laughs> he says he prefers employees that like submitting to employers rather than challenging them. Mm-hmm. Emma asks why. Because he can control them? And he says, well, it's my company, so it's my job to control them. And people like to be controlled. That's been my governing philosophy the past week. (laughs) People are happier when you tell them what to do. Otherwise, they come to you and they're like, what should I do? And I'm like, (laughs) "Like, you're an adult, but if you need it, I will baby you. Emma notes that Mr. Fredericks doesn't like to be controlled. And he says, well, no, I don't get off on it. I get off on control. I get off on watching people submit to it. He says that people enjoy the sense of freedom that they get when being controlled. Emma counters that being controlled doesn't liberate people. Mr. Fredericks asks if Emma thinks that she's liberated. She says yes. Mr. Fredericks says she's not. And Emma suggests that he's not as good at judging people as he thinks he is. Mr. Fredericks says he'd like to see her idea of liberation and to show her his idea. Emma pauses and swallows hard. At that point, Mr. Fredericks gets a call from his secretary that he has to take. 
Emma says that she hopes she didn't offend him, noting that she's not usually one for restraint. Mr. Frederick says, that's too bad. She thanks him for his time, and he tells her that she's breathtaking. Everything about her is breathtaking. Emma smiles as she leaves. Yeah, I feel like you agree with that. That she's breathtaking? Yeah. Yes, I would say nothing less of my goddess. (laughs) She notes that she was floored by and happy about being called breathtaking by Mr. Fredericks. She notes this must be what people talk about. Attractions to people that leave your head spinning. She talks about how she couldn't stop thinking about it. We watch her shave her legs and then lay down in bed and she's face down masturbating. But she doesn't shave above the knee, which is what I've been told that whores do. Right. Well, she's not a whore. She's a goddess. I know, but I'm just, I'm making a note. Right. I'm, we're building a scientific case for your God. Exactly. The way that Christians cannot. Exactly. They cannot drink Jesus' bath water. <laughs> She talks about how much she craved Mr. Frederick's scent, his taste, and his touch. We cut to morning, and Nadia hops onto Emma's bed, waking her up, noting that Emma never sleeps this late. Nadia tells Emma that she spent all night arguing with Ray about where to have their engagement party. He wanted it at a sports bar, apparently. Oh yeah, like a Hooters or a Roosters type situation. Yeah. Maybe a BW3s. Yeah. Are there any sports bars that aren't just chicken places? Probably. I think chicken is the number one. It's just food of sports. It brings everyone together. It's got a lot of protein. That's good if you're making a sport. Yeah. You need to muscle. You need muscle for sport. You need a muscle. You need a muscle for the sport. You need a muscle for the sportelli. <laughs> well, back to offending our Italian listeners. Stop it with all this Luigi music. (laughs) Yeah. I'm tired of you doing all this Luigi talk. (laughs) Uh, Nadia notes by the time she got to sleep at 8 a.m., some delivery guy showed up with a message for Emma waking her up. And it's from William Fredericks. It's a telegram. It is. A singing telegram. It was not a singing telegram. It would have been if Bob Chen directed it. It would have been, yes. Nadia asks who Mr. Fredericks is, and Emma tells her no one. Emma opens and reads the message. In the message, he tells her that he enjoyed their conversation and notes that on the day of Emma's graduation, she'll receive an offer that will change her life. But he notes that if she tries to contact him before then, the offer is off the table. Nadia asks what the message says, and Emma tells her nothing. Nadia turns away, somewhat annoyed. Emma notes in narration that her graduation was four months away, and she notes that she just couldn't keep this off of her mind. So we get a montage of time passing. We see Emma having to listen to Nadia drone on. We also see her having to clean up after Ray, who spills orange juice on the counter and just walks off. She says that to pass time, she just had to work tirelessly on her thesis and accept whether she liked it or not, that this man already had complete control of her, and she absolutely loved it. We cut back and forth to her masturbating in bed, and we see 
Emma getting a call from Mr. Fredericks at one point. She asked how he got her cell phone number, or her address for that matter. He says that it's not a hard thing to do. That's fair. I I got doxxed once. It's not oh, yeah? That hard. It's not that hard. <laughs> uh, and I was like, I better... I gotta up my OPSEC. <laughs> um, but no, I think that is like directly like a beat taken from uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Like he like has like an interview with her and then doesn't like get any other info, but then is like able to find her very easily. Yeah. He sends like a helicopter to her house or something. Oh, that's weird. Well, you know, when you're rich and you're a celebrity, they just let you do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's um, presidential wisdom. Oh, yeah. You can just grab him by the pussy. Yeah. That's it. I mean, that's, yeah. That's it. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give Bonk of the Week to former President Donald Trump. <laughs> I think he needs to respect women. Bold statement. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Fredericks asks if this is driving Emma crazy, and she says that he's the one who says he can read people. So he tells her that it excites her, and she denies it, and he calls her a liar. She notes that four months felt like four decades, but finally the day came. We see Emma in her graduation robe, looking at a large envelope as a couple other people in graduation robes walk by. Mm -hmm. They need to have a scene where everyone throws their mortarboard into the air. Yeah. To know she's really graduated. Yeah. But uh, she's just been fucking masturbating for four months instead of working. I'm surprised she graduated. (laughs) Exactly. She looks in the envelope and there's a letter inside telling her to meet her at 6 p.m. at an address tonight. He tells her to shower first, wear a cocktail dress with thigh-high stockings and heels. The door will be unlocked, and she needs to let herself in and wait for him in the dining room. He notes to bring the signed paperwork with her. So we see Emma letting herself into a fancy house and slowly creeping in, kind of looking around. She finally sits down in the dining room at a table that has uh, two candles, two wine glasses, and two plates all sitting across from one another. In narration, she notes how strange it was that she was so relaxed, despite not knowing what to expect. He notes the paperwork was an NDA agreeing not to expose their conversations to the media. Oh, that's healthy. Yeah. (laughs) We see Mr. Fredericks walk in and pour her a glass of wine. Boss, I want you to sign an NDA about this podcast. I don't want anyone to ever know what we've talked about. (laughs) (laughs) That seems really smart. Yeah. (laughs) Emma notes that with a place this big, she expected Mr. Fredericks to have a butler, but Mr. Fredericks notes he doesn't like inviting people into his world. I This table's not that long, even though it's a rich guy table and he has no servants. Yeah. I don't think he's as rich as he says he is. I think he might be cash poor. That might be. There's a there's a lot of evidence of that in this film. Yeah, I think he's got all his money tied up in like stock options and shit. I think he might be in a Trump-like position because, like, earlier it talked about how he had 2,000 employees, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we only ever see two to three of them yeah. in the movie. He's probably like, oh, they're at the other office. There's no other office. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're at the New York office. I don't think so, buddy. <laughs> uh, 
So he thanks her for meeting him, and she notes that the curiosity was killing her, as uh, he already knew. Mm-hmm. He invites her to eat, and they seem to have bowls of some sort of salad in front of him. Before starting to eat, she asks Mr. Fredericks why he invited her there. So if he has no servants, he's preparing his own food? Uh, apparently. I don't believe that. I mean, it's a salad. I don't think he knows how to even, I don't know, which, he doesn't even know which way to open the bag. <laughs> that might be. I don't know. Uh, we have no evidence that that's part of his skill set in this movie. No. He does have a certain set of skills, though. He does. Mr. Fredericks reveals that this is a date, asking, after all, when is people getting dressed up to have dinner together not a date? She looks at him puzzled a bit, and then he tells her, okay, it's not a date, and then he passes her some papers across the table, asking her to take a look at them. In narration, she notes, up to this moment, Mr. Fredericks was a mystery to her, but this laid out everything about him in detail. She notes that there were words sprinkled through the pages like fisting, flogging, sub, master, and slave. I'm going to spoil it right now. There is no fisting. There is none. Not yet. Not in this film. Not yet. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. That's not really a teaser for anything. I genuinely don't remember if there's any in any of the other films. I'm going to believe that there is now. I'm going to be waiting for it. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll get to it eventually. Emma has a bit of a concerned look on her face. She looks up and asks Mr. Fredericks if this is a contract soliciting her for a BDSM relationship. His response is, what if it was? Her response, is it? They sit quiet for a moment. Emma then thanks him for the life-changing opportunity, but says she'll have to pass, noting she prefers to be in control and not be told what to do. Mr. Fredericks says she's wrong. Why else would she be here? She says she was just curious. He says, that may be, but that's not why you're wearing the thigh-high stockings I told you to wear. He asks, you are wearing them, aren't you? Mr. Fredericks comes up behind her and lifts her dress to get a good look at him. She says again that she likes being in control. Mr. Fredericks says, is that a fact? He puts his hand behind her head and starts to kiss her and they make out a bit. Mr. Fredericks then sits down in a nearby chair and he tells her, Now I want you to get undressed. Hmm. In narration, Emma notes that this was out of character for her, but she wanted to obey him. We see Emma slowly lift up her dress and toss it aside. She pauses and then unclasps her bra and drops it to the floor. She pauses again and Mr. Fredericks says, And your underwear... And so she drops those to the floor as well. (laughs) He says, now I want you to touch yourself. Emma slowly runs her fingers around her legs, up her belly to her breasts, and finally down to where she starts to stimulate her vagina. Mr. Fredericks tells her to look at him while she does it, and she does. She is obedient, though a bit timid here. This continues for a couple minutes while Emma slowly gets into it a bit more over time. He tells her to sit on the table nearby, and Mr. Fredericks pulls her leg towards him and then reaches his hand towards her, sliding up her leg and up to her hip, then kissing her breasts, her belly, and then her pubic region before finally starting to lick her clit. 
He goes down on her for a bit, then sucks on her nipples and fingers her a bit before plunging his mouth into her vagina more, sticking his finger inside of her as well. After a bit, Mr. Frederick stands up and tells Emma to take his clothes off. She slowly undoes his tie and he tells her to look at him while she does it, grabbing her neck at one point to adjust the way she's facing him. She takes off his shirt, and then he tells her to take off his belt. She pauses again before continuing. Then he tells her to undo his zipper, and he slides his pants down. Standing in his boxer briefs, he tells her to give him her hand, and he places it on his cock outside his boxers. She slowly rubs her fingers up and down it, and they kiss. He has Emma get on her knees and then tells her to pull down his boxers, and she does, revealing his cock that points all the way to the left at a 90-degree angle, at Hmm. least when not 100% hard. Oh. Mr. Fredericks has Emma start stroking it and then tells her to put it in her mouth. At this point, it is straightforward. That's good. I'm glad it doesn't stay bent and happy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Emma sucks his cock and strokes it a bit. After a moment, he has Emma put her hands behind her back, and he grabs her head and starts to fuck her mouth. He has her lick his balls, and he strokes a bit. He then sits in the chair and tells Emma to stand up and sit on him. So Emma straddles Mr. Fredericks and sitting cowgirl and starts to ride his cock. Mr. Fredericks has her suck on his fingers a bit, then grabs her throat as she bounces for a bit. They reposition slightly a couple of times and move on to Emma laying on the dining room table with Mr. Fredericks standing and fucking her. As he's going, he takes off her shoes and stockings and pounds away. We cut to Emma getting some standing doggy action with her arm leaning onto the table and Mr. Fredericks holding up one of her legs. He wraps his tie around her head uh, with it looping through her mouth and uses it to hold her head as he's pounding her for a bit. After a bit, she gets on her knees and sucks and strokes his cock. He tells her that he wants her to drink it, and he grabs his cock and strokes his load into her mouth. He then tells her to swallow it, and she pauses, but does as she's told. We see Emma in bed the next day. Emma says when she awoke the next day, despite wanting to tell herself it was a dream, it wasn't. She notes last night's session ended in negotiations, and that she was still a bit fuzzy-headed about all of it. So we cut to them talking the night before. Mr. Frederick says that she has the power to go or stay as she pleases. She says she doesn't do knives or nipple clamps, and no suffocations, short of light choking. She says that she's not a fan of gynecological devices, and she's nervous about the punishment aspect and on the fence about anal. Mm. Mr. Fredericks assures her that the pain is the pleasure. You'll see, he says. He tells her that everything else is fine, but anal stays, and they'll revisit that when it's time. Emma then asks for a job at his company in a position where she can control her own life. He tells her that she drives a hard bargain, but he agrees, adding adding the stipulation that their arrangement extends into the workplace and From the hours of 8 to 5 each weekday, she's obligated to him. But she's free afterwards, and her obligation is done until the weekends that she is going to spend with him. Ah. She pauses and then asks for a $75,000 salary, 
And uh, they agree to the deal. That's some good negotiation. Yeah. I'm going to fuck my boss. See what I can get. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We then cut to Emma in the workplace. She's typing as a co-worker is at another computer nearby doing the same. There's a buzzing sound in the background and her co-worker stops to look at Emma for a moment and then steps away. After her co-worker steps away, we see Emma pull a vibrator out and place it on the desk. I think the co-worker knows. Yes. You know? The vibrator is back then, ten years ago, too damn loud. Yes. Now we have perfectly silent ones. You can use them anywhere at any time. (laughs) Emma calls Mr. Frederick on her desk phone and says that he has to stop this. People are staring at her. He tells her to come to his office. She walks away. She has left the vibrator on her desk. Yeah, she just does. People are staring because she leaves the fucking vibrator on her desk. Right? (laughs) That's why they know. Dumbass. Mr. Fredericks tells Emma to lock the door behind her, and then he has her come to him. He tells her to lift up her skirt. Right here, she says. He tells her to do as she's told. He then has her bend over the desk. She says she doesn't want him to hurt her. Mr. Fredericks explains, when she doesn't follow instructions, she'll be punished. She bends over and asks what she's being punished before. He explains that their level of discretion is his decision and her job is just to follow instructions. He uses a leather paddle and gives her cheeks some good wax. He explains that between 8 to 5, he controls everything. For this relationship to work, she must surrender completely. After some solid wax, he sends her back to work, and she goes back to her desk. She notes that she was still recovering from this all, but deep down, she enjoyed it. We then cut to Emma at home, looking at her red ass in the mirror. Nadia walks in and sees her red ass and reacts in shock. Nadia asks what happened to her, and Emma tells her nothing. She says she just fell down on her way to work the other day. Nadia accepts this and says that she was just there to tell her the dinner was ready. Emma says she was getting used to this strange new life that no one else would have expected of her. We see Emma walking into the office, and at her desk is a little box with a bow on it and a note. The note says, My house, tomorrow, 12 p.m. Go immediately upstairs. Wear a loose-fitting dress. No underwear. Mm -mm. Emma opens the box and looks inside to find a bunch of round butt plugs of different sizes. Hell yeah. (laughs) Just a box of butt plugs on your desk. Yeah. Do you know what that's like? No. Okay. We see Emma arriving at Mr. Frederick's house in a white dress, walking up the stairs. She walks into a bathroom, and there appears to be a bath already run. Mr. Frederick's walks in, and they kiss as he undresses her. We then see Mr. Frederick's washing her in the bath. She notes in narration that she had been taken aback by the presumptuous nature of the gift he gave her. She asks Mr. Fredericks what the gift was for. He says it's for anal. It'll prepare her to be ready for it. She asks, what if she's never ready for it? And he tells her he'll have her begging him for anal. She notes in narration that it didn't compute begging for something she didn't want, but she wasn't going to overthink it. She was just going to enjoy things. 
We see Mr. Fredericks going down on Emma and fingering her as she sits on the side of the tub. We cut away and Emma explains that the first few weeks were like a sexual boot camp for her, where they solidified the rules of their relationship. We see Mr. Fredericks tell her that his, that his bedroom is off limits, and that when she sleeps over, she stays in a guest room. He tells her that she wears what he tells her when he tells her to, no resistance. He tells her their weekends begin at noon every other Saturday. She must enter the house and kneel at the front door until instructed otherwise, no matter how long she must wait. He controls her orgasms, which means absolutely no masturbation. Also, there's absolutely no touching of his face. Oh, why not? I don't know. Okay. She must call him Mr. Fredericks and nothing else. We see Emma bringing Mr. Fredericks coffee in a maid lingerie outfit with her tits hanging out. He tells her she makes him happy as she walks away, she smiles. Emma says as each week progressed, so did their individual commitment. We see Emma looking at the smallest plug from the set Mr. Fredericks gave her and pushing it into her ass. We see Mr. Fredericks flogging Emma's breasts as she has clothespins all over him, and then him drizzling honey into her mouth. She notes he continued to test her limits. We see Emma sucking on one of the larger plugs and Mr. Fredericks pushing it into her ass. We then cut to Emma tied up being flogged, and then another shot of her being wrapped in bondage tape, and then another shot of her being tucked into bed whilst tied up. She notes slowly her walls began to tumble, and she wanted to give him everything he wanted. We see Mr. Fredericks at a table writing. Emma walks up to him and tells him, I'm ready. He stops and starts to kiss her. He caresses her body and slowly lifts up her dress and rolls down her panties. Emma leans over the table and Mr. Fredericks starts to eat both her pussy and ass from behind, which she seems to enjoy quite a bit. Yeah, he's got a big fucking mouth. Yeah. (laughs) Mr. Fredericks drops his pants and takes off his shirt. He kisses her ass cheeks and runs his fingers over her holes a bit before going back to licking her asshole as he stimulates her clit with his fingers. She asks him to fuck her. Mr. Fredericks continues to undress Emma and eats her ass more before finally, slowly, working his cock into her ass as she's bent over in doggy position. He starts to fuck her slowly and sensually, kissing her neck, though also pinning her arm behind her back. Emma tells Mr. Fredericks thank you, and he fucks her a bit harder as he continues. They stand up and kiss as Mr. Fredericks plays with her pussy a bit more. Then he lays her down on the table and continues to fuck her ass as he stands, grabbing her tits. He uses her panties to bind her hands and picks her up, still with his cock in her ass, before sitting down on the chair nearby so that she can ride him in sitting cowgirl anally. Mr. Fredericks, after a bit, tells Emma to spin around and ride him the other way, so she turns around and rides him anally in uh, sitting reverse cowgirl. After a bit, Emma bends over the table and he fucks her more in standing doggy position. And after giving Emma's ass quite a workout here, Mr. Fredericks finally pulls out and blows his load all over Emma's ass. Emma looks back at him and smiles. She loves anal now. Yeah. 
Who doesn't? Exactly. As we fade out, we hear Emma say, Like they say, nothing worth having ever comes easy. So we see Nadia and Ray at a table talking about wedding shit. Emma greets them and walks away. And after she leaves the room, Ray points out to Nadia that she had rope burns all over her arms. Yeah. Emma hears this exchange going on and stops to listen. Ray talks about having read about this in GQ. Yeah. An underground world of BDSM relationships where they tie people up and beat them and have bizarro sex. Yeah. Nadia talks about the bruise she saw on Emma's ass. Ray says she's a freak. You can't reason with freaks. Exactly, yeah. Nadia asks if she should try talking to Emma, and that's when Ray says, you can't reason with freaks. He's right. You shouldn't even try. Exactly. As Emma looks at her marks in a mirror, she notes a narration, just as she had let her walls down, they came right back up. So we cut to Emma, tied up on the floor near Mr. Frederick's desk. She tells him she thinks she loves him. He asks why she thinks that. And she explains that when she's with him, she always feels at peace. He says that he's glad she feels that way. Then she says the problem's just when she's not with him. It's tough. She talks about how other people don't understand because what they do is different, and they don't have any reference. This immediately touches a nerve in Mr. Fredericks in a pretty extreme way that I don't think is fair. Yeah, he flips out. He uh, unties Emma and tells her she needs to go. She uh, says no, but he starts to drag her down the steps, and he tells her that she's not cut out for this. He says he's been down this road before, and she's going to end up comparing their relationship to everyone else's, and she'll convince herself that there's something wrong with them. Emma pleads and tells him that she doesn't want to go. This seems like the behavior of someone who's not comfortable with their own stuff. You know, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> He's uh, projecting his own insecurities, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. What a what a turd. She finally stops and pulls off his belt and tells him to punish her. He tells her no at first, but then pushes her face against the wall and tells her to count as he spanks her with the belt. He gives her three pretty solid whacks with the belt, and finally she cries out red, her safe word. He stops and she leaves. We then cut to Emma looking at herself in the mirror. In narration, she says she was broken. She says she didn't run from Mr. Fredericks that night. She ran from herself and her own insecurities. She wanted to accept their relationship, but she let outside pressures get to her. We see Nadia comforting Emma, but she notes in narration that she can never explain things to her. Emma notes she resigned her position at work. We see her packing up. She notes that, to his word, Mr. Fredericks didn't try to stop her. We see him telling her goodbye at work. Emma explains she found a new job, working for a female executive, and passed her time helping her sister plan her wedding. But she notes that the thoughts of Mr. Fredericks were still there, no matter what she was doing with others or alone. We then cut to Nadia looking at herself in the mirror in her wedding dress. I guess this is her wedding day. Mm Mm-hmm. Nadia says this is the best day of her life. Emma apologizes for not being supportive of her at first, and Nadia says it's okay. Most people weren't. But Nadia notes life's about being happy, and nobody can defend that happiness for herself but herself. Emma notes after all these months, she finally understood. 
she some really good advice from her sister here. Yeah. You know, uh, I think this is the one like acting wise good scene that uh, Riley Reed turns in. Yeah. <laughs> the previous one where she's like, "Oh my god, you fell on your butt!" Oh wow, <laughs> yeah. it's like she had never talked to another person. <laughs> Emma asks the narration if she needs the rest of the world's validation or just her own. So then we cut to Emma walking into Mister Frederick's house and kneeling on the floor in front of the door. She knows that she knew that there was no guarantee they could repair what was broken, but she loved him and felt safe there, just letting go. We see Emma waiting for what appears to be a long time, and we see Mr. Fredericks notice her, and then walk off, ignoring her, turning off the lights. She says she knew he wouldn't give in immediately, but she said she'd stay there for months if she needed to. We cut to it being light outside, and Emma slumped over and asleep in front of the door. Mr. Fredericks picks her up and carries her into a bedroom and lays her down in the bed. I believe that this is his bedroom that she wasn't allowed in. Yeah, no, he's uh, kept it off limits until now. He takes off her shoes and unzips her dress, taking it off of her. He caresses her body and slides off her panties. He then attaches some Velcro cuffs to her and straps her down to the bed, blindfolding her as well. He puts some earbuds in her ear beforehand, telling her that he's going to play her some music and telling her that if she feels uncomfortable, and then she interjects, use my safe word, and he says yes. We see Mr. Fredericks caressing her body and burning a candle near her. We get some temperature play here as he drips some water off of ice cubes onto her body at first, and then we watch as he slowly drips some candle wax onto her body. And holds a candle to her vagina. Uh, yes, he does. It warm. What music do you think he's making her listen to? Uh, probably some uh, Rick Springfield. <laughs> <laughs> think that's it. <laughs> um. Oh man, what would it be? Uh, yeah. Some hymn. Yeah, it's <laughs> tough to say. 2013. Uh, I don't even remember what was popular then. Yeah, I was too old to listen to popular music by then. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> it's probably uh, Imagine Dragons. Okay, yeah, probably. I remember them being big in 2013. <laughs> She's just like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> she can't say anything. She'll get mad. After a bit, we see Mr. Frederick start to go down on Emma, wax dried on her skin. He works her clit with both his tongue and his fingers, and eventually he pushes his cock inside of her and starts to fuck her slowly, getting a bit more vigorous as he gets going. We then cut to Mr. Fredericks below her, fucking her from below, but she's still strapped to the bed by yeah. all four limbs and blindfolded, which uh, I feel like this was probably difficult to pull off. And yet they did. Indeed. Well, everything worth doing is a little challenging. Yeah. Every, it's true. That's what she said earlier. Oh, yeah. Mm. He caresses her breasts and plays with her clit as he continues to really give it to her from below. Uh, this continues for quite a bit, and Emma moans in great pleasure. We then cut to Mr. Frederick standing above her using a flogger to whip away some of the candle wax on her skin and then smack her vagina, breasts, and face with it a bit. 
After a few minutes, he takes the earbuds out of her ears and undoes her restraints and makes out with her. We then cut to Mr. Fredericks throwing Emma face down onto the bed and strapping her down again. He starts to fuck her from behind again, uh, pretty hard this time. This continues for a bit with him sticking his thumb in her ass for good measure. They switch to missionary, and Mr. Fredericks continues to fuck her for a bit before pulling out and coming all over her belly and kissing her. In narration, Emma explains that some people think of romance as flowers or champagne, but for her, romance is the inner peace she gets, surrendering control to the person she loves. Everyone has their own version of normal, and she had come to accept that this was hers. The beauty of finding who shared her same perversions had created a different kind of normal. Wow. And that was the submission of Emma Marks. That was really something else. It was. I um, am very drunk. Okay, good. Well, Um, that's as good a reason as any for us to take a quick break. And then we'll be back for your drunken review of the submission of Emma Marks. The Raincoat Review. (laughs) That time it was early. No. Do you see anything in that GQ about a BDSM underground world of sexual weirdos? You know what? I don't. We've got, um, pick, pick your poison. 25 wicked spring grails. I don't know what that means. Spring grails? Is it like holy grails of spring break or something? I don't know. Um, the rise of the watch world's micro brand. Okay. And 31 Secrets to Unlocking Your Creativity. Oh, none of those sound particularly fun. No. Uh, Oh, what's this one? There's one that's got notes. What are these notes about? Oh, these are the secrets. Do you want to hear some secrets? Uh, Give us two secrets. There's 31. You just want me to give you two. Okay. Yeah. All right. We don't have time for 31 secrets drawing of i don't know who this is but it looks like hunter biden uh <laughs> rule number nine throw the proverbial spaghetti against the wall oh okay uh number 19 freak it <laughs> okay well uh that has been very helpful number 20 get on the horn <laughs> there was time for three all right. Well, well, this movie does one thing right. I'm not doing the. I already hit the button before. Oh, okay. Break. You're not going to do it again. No. Okay. I only hit the button once. Okay. Uh, this movie, uh, 
really does get you on the horn. Yeah, it got me on the horn. Yeah, a couple times, apparently. Yeah. You love it. Uh, as far as uh, the modern pornographic films that we've covered on this show, uh, I would say this one's uh, pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah, I think it uh, is a nice... Uh, it's a nice... Uh, uh, antidote to films like uh, 50 shades of gray it gives you a better i think understanding of uh bdsm than uh those that, those films do yeah and uh you get to see more tits which i think that's ultimately there's nothing i don't think there's any nudity in those films that sounds atrocious i think they're all rated pg-13 that's a nightmare i don't know if that's true but it's probably right yeah you look it up but they were all based on twilight uh, like most modern pornography, I did feel like the sex scenes went on quite a bit too long, mm-hmm. but there is, uh, unlike a lot of others, there is quite a bit between all that to flesh it out. Right. You get a lot more of the characters, uh, motivations and, uh, thoughts on things. It's, uh, it's a very nice looking film in general, uh. A lot of very, very erotic film, as you would expect. A lot of nice close-ups on things like spanking or caressing someone's body. Yeah. Things along those lines. Uh, You have Penny Packs, of course. It's quite lovely. Uh, Mr. Frederick looks kind of like a drunk. (laughs) It's kind of like a Kevin Sorbo-esque drunk. I'm not super into him. Yeah, that's fair. I I think he did a pretty good job. Uh. This cast is, uh, well, the main two, at least, uh, really carry the film along. Yeah. I would say Nadia and Ray are kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of their role, though. Yeah, that's their role. Yeah, uh, I would like to see less of them, but uh, they serve their purpose. But like I said, like a lot of these modern films, it's uh, it's a bit too long. I feel like you could get the same thing in a film like the image or uh a number of other films that uh deliver a similar message in a more compact form sure a more uh and i think they have the same the same strength the brevity uh increases that in some ways because uh i felt this film was uh the pacing was okay Mm-hmm. but it, it felt a little drawn out at the same time since some scenes do tend to go on for like, you know, like 15 to 20 minutes. Right. Right. Uh, it's easy to lose kind of track, uh, track of the thread of the plot. Yeah. During those long sequences. But, uh, altogether I've, I found it to be a, a, a pretty enjoyable film. Uh, I would like to check out some of the sequels. I didn't know there were three of them. Yeah. Um, they get longer. I believe that. Uh, nothing is... There's no returning. We're not going back. Yeah. It's only going to get longer from here. Uh, but I would give this one a... Uh, I'd say a probably like a three out of five. I thought okay. it was just a little bit too long. I did enjoy most of the elements of it. But uh, the pacing was off enough to kind of take me out at times to be like, why is this still happening? Right. Okay. Um, also, not enough hair curler based violence. <laughs> he should have done that to her instead of letting her leave. Oh, boy. Uh, 
he well, needs to uh, he needs to learn a couple things about keeping people in their place. Oh man! Mm, yeah. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, I uh, as uh, has probably been intimated from the very beginning of this podcast. I enjoy this film quite a bit. Um, it's certainly not a perfect film. I'd agree with your uh, observation that some of the scenes go on for way too long. I would say that especially the Riley Reed scene at the beginning, while it's not in any way a bad sex scene, it's good and she's attractive and, you know, all of that, but it wasn't at all pertinent to the plot. It's no. basically, a, its role in the film is basically to be like, some people have normal sex. Yeah, and that's it's like, basically it's, it. it's demonstrative. And if I think if you wanted to really like drive home the point that that's not enough, Maybe it should be short and unsatisfying sex. Yeah, perhaps. But, you know, uh, then it probably wouldn't have won that feminist award. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, you know, this film, a very feminist, real feminist, just love women, love learning about them. (laughs) That's, uh, that's right. Yep. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, uh. You know, there are a lot of, uh, I will say one thing I forgot to mention when talking about the success of this film is this is one of those rare films that got a softcore version of them made. Oh, did it? Like with, you know, cut out stuff and like alternate angles Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, And it like aired on like Showtime and stuff Mm -hmm. in that form. So that's pretty cool. That does explain its success a little bit more. I'm sure if you were inclined to watch the Showtime version, you might seek out the original. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the the original would certainly be uh, an improvement, I would say. Um, yeah. Uh, there's probably none of the butt stuff in the uh, softcore cut. Yeah, probably not. You know, I think really he should just be gay if that's what he wants his butt stuff. I don't know that I follow this logic completely. That's all he wants is the butt, and that's all. That's mostly what you get. I don't know if that's all he wants. It's ninety percent of what he wants in this film. <laughs> Fair enough, but uh, you know, I think that the sex scenes were all pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they do a good job of making things uh, sensual and uh, genuinely erotic, rather than just like. Definitely. There's like, definitely it, uh, like camera work and like the focus on that kind of stuff. It definitely displays the new sloppy style, but not, uh, but does so with restraint and eroticism. And that's beautiful. <laughs> that is um, um, beautiful. I would definitely agree, though, that like if this were 90 minutes, it could probably be perfect, but uh, yeah, it's, it's not. It's, it's really good, and my reservations about it are. Mostly that it was made in 2013 and not like 1978. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, the the stuff that I like the most of it is the storytelling more so than the sex scenes, although mm-hmm. I enjoy those quite a bit. Yeah. Um, it's It did have a nice, like, full, like, story and, like, arc to it that uh, I appreciate. I, d- I also did, but I would say that if I were, like trying to make the perfect version of this movie 
I would have added a bit more to the storytelling and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, add you, more of their dynamic building over time and stuff like that. Have you ever seen Secretary? I have not seen Secretary. I'm aware that it is... Uh, that is a film I, th- I think you would enjoy a lot. There's Obviously, there's not like hardcore sex in it, but yeah. I think it explores like BDSM themes and like... Is that Maggie the, Gyllenhaal? Yeah, and James Spader. Okay. Uh, I think it explores that stuff in a way that's really nice and nuanced. Okay. Um, in a way that a lot of films weren't. Uh, I remember that uh, about the time that uh, Fifty Shades of Grey came out, the local like theater that does like midnight showings also did a showing a secretary. Oh, nice. Uh, apparently, both characters are named Mister Grey, which I find pretty funny. Oh, that is funny. <laughs> I do wonder if she's like, I wrote this Twilight fiction, and now I need to like rewrite it. I was like, I'll just base it on James Spader. <laughs> you know, that's a that's a that's a guy that ladies get the hots for that I was not really aware of. James Spader. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he's attractive to some ladies. If you're um, if you're Spader file, reach out. If you're Spader file. <laughs> uh, but anyway, <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, Penny Pax is my goddess and th- my preferred deity. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love that she's in this uh, fun BDSM movie, mm-hmm. and uh, she makes my dingle tingle in it. Uh, I would give this four stars overall. I knew you were going to give it four stars. Okay, I could feel it in my in, in my sack. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is uh, this is a movie that I would recommend. It's probably my favorite modern movie that I've watched. I, I don't know. Maybe going back, maybe I'll like one of the sequels more. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I've seen this one more than once, and I've only seen the sequels once each, and I don't exactly remember everything about them other than a couple plot details. But maybe there's one of those that I actually like better, but I don't know. We'll find out eventually. We'll find maybe. out eventually. But uh, yeah, that was the submission of Emma Marks. Uh, check it out and worship my goddess Penny Pax. Wow. Oh, um, I will say that I say? prefer Penny Pax as a redhead, which she has spent most of her career as a redhead, and she's a blonde in this film. She certainly is a blonde. Uh, I prefer her as a redhead, but that didn't detract from my enjoyment of this film. The film called for it. I guess so. Probably. I don't know. I don't know. I <laughs> believe she's a redhead in some of the sequels, so. That's fucked up. Uh, women dye their hair. Women be dying. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Raincoat Report. If you want to hear us talking about another, well, I wouldn't say modern, because it's like 20 years old, but another film that was made much later than most of the films we cover. You can follow us on Patreon at patreon.com slash raincoatreport, where we talk about Brad Armstrong's Heat from 2003. And, uh, you know, five bucks a month. That's our bonus episodes there. Uh, But yeah, uh, if you're going over to Mr. Frederick's house for a weekend uh, play date, well, show up at the door and kneel and wait for him. And then... uh, Maybe Wear whatever he tells you to. Which is probably a raincoat. Probably. <laughs>